This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. More. Oh, you want more? More. Oh, uh, this good? More. Oh, wow, that was extreme. Edging. With Tucker and Mora. You okay? You're still losing your voice, eh? I'm still getting it back. Didn't take me long to lose it. It's I just crazy. screamed once or twice on our radio show, and then it just went. It's a pretty fragile thing, that voice, I guess. That's why uh, singers have to learn to s- sing from their sternum or their, uh, what is it? Well, yeah, yeah. You want to bring it down, not sing from your throat. But I think, like, um, you know, artists who do a lot of, like, screamo have to learn how to scream properly. You need to learn how to scream properly without ripping your vocal cords. I know, right? Is it, uh, I have to build calluses probably, something like that, eh? What is this sound? Oh, my phone just started making noise. Weird. It is weird because it was down. It wasn't doing anything with it. <laughs> That's super weird. Phone's uh, always listening, right? Yeah, for like sure. Siri hears a little piece of something and thinks I wasn't even touching it. What it you watch? Down. You watch now. You're gonna get advertisements for like throat stuff. Yeah, probably. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Sorry for that little intrusion. <laughs> that was just like an Instagram uh, reel that somebody sent me that wasn't even that funny. Oh. You know, thanks. It's become the. Do you guys get a lot of stuff? People just sending you a video, and you're like, ah, I'm don't not really, care. really a fan of that. It's like the forward, the email forward. Remember that yeah. became such a big thing. Oh, great! Like early days, it was oh, great joke you had to read. Yeah, yeah and then you had to send the email on to like ten other oh. people, or you're gonna die, or something like that. Uh, I know someone who died because they only sent it to nine <laughs> of the ten oh, yeah. that they were required to. Yeah, crazy. That they, was they, so they, stupid. By the ninth person, they're like, I don't have anyone else I can send it to, and then all of a sudden, I was a giant piano fell from a like an apartment. What are the odds, eh? Right on top of them, they're like, oh no. I should have sent that email. Super lame. <laughs> super lame. But, you know, uh, most of us are superstitious in some capacity. And yeah. you get sucked into that. And you're like, oh, no. But what if I don't do it? Mm-hmm. I know it's garbage. But if I don't do it and something bad happens, it would have been so easy just to forward that off to 10 people. I had a girlfriend who I really respect and admire. 
uh, send me one of those not too long ago, like maybe two years ago. Like and uh, it was, forwarded on kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, but it was more like, um, it's supposed to be kind of like self-help for women. And it was supposed to be that I would pick, I don't know, three or four women that I really admire. And I would take some, some sort of quote or something that has inspired me and I would send it on. And then I would get these three women to also participate. And um, because I like her so much and admire her and a lot of her stuff has inspired me i thought well damn all right i'm gonna do this and i immediately regretted it spammed people because i sent it to three women that i admire including like a woman who just won like an award for directing at the canadian screen actors guild thing who will never work with you ever again yeah (laughs) you know what no one participated including one of the women who i sent it to sent it back to me and said i don't want to i'm not doing this i just wanted to let you know i'm not you might want to pick somebody else because I just don't have time. I'm like, of course you don't have time. I'm an idiot. I, I I'm still, a dumbass. I still spend time on Facebook, but not so much to connect with people more because I'm part of these groups. Like, you know, my, whether it's a marketplace to sell something. Oh my God, marketplace is the bomb. That's all I look at. Yeah. I'm I, not interested in reading messages from people. Yeah, I don't read people's statuses so much as I go on to different groups and I find out what's going on. Like, there's a Sailing Lake Ontario one. If something's going on, it might make you aware of it or people have questions or you can ask people questions like, oh, what's this stuff on my, oh, this part of my boat broke. Anyone know where I can go to get this part? And, you know, it's like a group it's like of a forum. People. It's a forum is yeah. what it is. With, Why are they all on Facebook? Well, it's, it's just, just easy. It's it's an easy platform to use. But every now and then I'll come across something and I'll see somebody I haven't heard from in a long time. They'll be like, hey, if you do this thing, uh, you're going to see more of your friends and less garbage and less forwards. And I want to know if you're looking at my stuff, if you're a real friend, then you're going to reply and also copy and paste it to your thing and send it off. I'm yes. like, fuck that. As yeah. soon as you ask me to copy and paste it, Forget it, I'm out. If you want me to be like, hey. Do you care about me as a person? I'll be like, yeah, you're yeah. a great person. Yeah. You know, keep on keeping on. It's but the it, chain. Yeah. They just try and suck you into that vortex. I don't even know, like, whoever starts that, what satisfaction do they get? Is it is it if they see it and it comes around back to them? They're like, hey, I started that. I don't know. You maybe they just listen to Fleetwood Mac and they thought, hey, you know what's a great idea right now is the chain's playing. The chain. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't see that this. coming for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you going to rip on Fleetwood Mac? They're pretty good. Going <laughs> back. I love that bits. song. It's a great song. I was just thinking maybe, uh, you know, he was listening to that song or she was listening to that song. Like, I got a great idea right yeah. now. You're sending that along. Anyway, how did we even get on that topic? Um, Your phone was listening to our conversation. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, how we yeah. got on that conversation. Gotcha. We were going to talk about drugs. We were going to talk about drugs. Are we going to talk about drugs? Yeah. We, um, on our radio show, which can be heard on 102.1 The Edge in Toronto, uh, we were talking about cocaine because somebody had found like, was it almost half a billion dollars worth of cocaine floating in the ocean? Yes, just off the coast of Italy. It was all um, kind of tied together. It had been dropped by one boat, and it, I guess it was expected to be picked up by another, but somehow before that boat picked it up, people found it. Interception. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, close to $500 million worth of cocaine. That's in there. right. Street value. Street value, mm-hmm. which means like if you broke it down into individual grand size portions and you sold it that way it would be worth half a billion but i'm sure if you're buying two tons worth of cocaine they're giving you a break like a costco type of discount on it right man sure 
I wonder how much you have to buy in order to start getting a discount. Like if I if I buy two grams, like if it's a hundred dollars a gram, which is what we kind of heard the price of cocaine was based on this conversation we had on the air. Yeah. If you buy two grams, is it a hundred and eighty, and then three is a hundred, two hundred? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how does it work? When do you get? When I, does the deal? Is kick it in? advertised? Is it on the sticker price? And or do you have to be like, hey, you throwing me a bone here because I'm buying in larger quantities? It's always quantities? better to buy three. It's generally, if it's lotto tickets or anything, they they start striking a deal at three. The Princess Home Margaret, whatever yes. Princess Margaret Home Lottery. That's right. They do they strike want a deal you, like, yeah. at three and then five and. Back in my day, uh, back in your day, <laughs> you know, from from what I hear, uh, that sounds like it's more than it used to be because it used to be about eighty, and then if you got, you know, double, it's like a buck forty for a little bit more, and then you could get you could you could get a discount as the as the went up. So I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been in the game or been at clubs and stuff. I don't know what people charge for this. So kind what of you're stuff. saying is it doesn't need to be formed in the shape of a brick. In order to start saving, that no. there's some discounts that come that come along that. the way. We yeah. got a text actually during our show when we were talking about prices, and the guy said the pandemic really drove up prices for drugs, for street drugs. Yeah, somebody who still uses coke said it's a hundred bucks a gram. Yeah, so. but the story that is sticking with me is the guy who found the brick on the beach. Was he in Costa Rica? No, no, Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. Yeah. Just a surf bum dude, you know, beach bum kind of guy, finds a brick and decides that he's not going to sell it or anything. He's going to enjoy it, and he's going to enjoy it with people in town. And and he's in a little tiny village, and so he's having it, and he's passing around to people at the local bars and stuff. And the drug overlords find out, and they chop off both his hands. That's what someone called and said on the show this morning. Yeah, whether it's we didn't fact check it, but <laughs> but I have personal experience having dove in the Cayman Islands, and a woman that was on our boat all week. She told us she found a brick of drugs that washed ashore on the um, island that's called Little Cayman. Mm-hmm. There's only a couple hundred residents in the whole island year round. It's mostly just for people who are like diving. They go there, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, "What'd you do with it? Like, do you want to you sell that? What do you?" Do? She's like, "No, I handed. I called the cops, and they took it because they didn't want to be like." responsible for using it i wonder would would a drug lord get mad at you if you gave it to the cops which is technically the right thing would that be okay for them versus you selling it yourself and making some cash or using it with buddies i actually think it's worse if you just take it I, but i still wouldn't give it to the cops I st- don't I they would... have people on the inside at the the police force uh, who a might lot of narcos usually do yeah but mm. but then let them use those connections to get it back yeah yeah yeah, yeah, like the innocent person, they're not going to go after them for doing what, quote, the societal right thing would be to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, we got a text from somebody who said that um, her dad and her brother were on this fishing trip in Belize, and they were told by locals, do not touch any packages you see on the beach or floating in the water because they uh, are owned by the cartel. They belong to the cartel. Don't touch them. They don't belong to you. They don't belong to anybody but them, and you just leave them. Isn't it fascinating, though, how, like, a group of people have effectively taken over society, like, in certain parts of the world? Yeah. That, that a cartel is more is stronger than any police force or any government and that the population is in complete fear of them. 
because they run everything. Well, it's because they murder anyone who gets in their way. <laughs> or chop off their hands. And any cop, like, I mean, you look even in, in Mexico where they have a lot of drug issues yeah. with the cartels. Police officers have to wear masks so they can't be identified by cartel members and their families, like, otherwise would be murdered. Yeah, and you the know, cartel owns them. lots of police officers, lots yeah. of sections of the military. And it's fascinating how one group could just effectively take over a society like that and how there has been no uh, way to deconstruct it. Yeah. There's no way. They're too powerful. Well, I'll tell you what you have to do. You have to kill the leader. <laughs> and you need to... I'm trying to think of what I learned from Narcos. Um, I watched two seasons of that show. What a great yeah. show. And they took down one of them. Yeah, but the rest of the Medellin cartel yeah. still exists. You know? Yeah, they, yeah. You cut they off they one head and yeah. two more pop up. Yeah. And they, yeah, it's, it's like weeding, yeah. Never works. Well, that's why, you know, they say the war on drugs is unwinnable. And in most cases, you just need to, like, look at the people who are using the drugs and try and stop them from wanting to use it and stop criminalizing it and turn it into, like, what it is, which is for most people who have major drug problems, they're self-medicating because of other shit going on in their life. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 100% in favor of them decriminalizing all hard drugs because, first of all, it costs us so much money. To like house these people in prisons and yeah, stuff. Yeah, totally. It would be a lot less expensive just to put people in treatment programs and give them like counseling. Mm-hmm. It would be safer if they provided. I, w- I would even go as far as to say if someone's addicted to heroin, just give them heroin until they can get off because the amount of crime that is committed for these people in order to source the drugs. Yeah. I mean, that's why you have a lot of B&Es and on-the-street muggings. It's people who are just trying to get money to buy drugs mm. to feed their addiction. Mm. If you can put an end to all that, mm-hmm. I mean, it may, people maybe will never get off heroin, but at least they're not going to be jacking you, you know, in order to continue their habit. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be not in the hospital on overdosing on fentanyl because they could be given a clean supply. Like yeah. it's a massive, massive strain on society to try and treat it like it's, um, you know, a major crime and mm-hmm. all the resources but and the dirty the drugs. Is the reason that we don't do it because crime is big business, especially in the states? Mm. Like all of the police, oh, private, private, oh, private jails. jails, jails. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, who knows about the states? I'm talking about Canada. It costs like a couple hundred thousand dollars to keep somebody in jail every year for mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's insane. Yeah, that's a lot. It's crazy. That's crazy. You know, and then put the pedophiles in there. Put the people that are, you know, putting real, like, you know, putting, hurting people. Yeah. But if somebody is just self-medicating with heroin and he can find a way to have them stop committing crimes in order to get the money to do the heroin, wouldn't that be like a huge win? I don't think you're wrong. Certainly complicated, you know. How many people do you hear about who have a car accident and then get addicted to drugs that way because they're on pills coming yeah. out of the hospital. And they run out of money because they can't buy enough pills. Oh, my God. And then, I mean, thank God, Bundes, you never read. You had that, like, moral line that you weren't willing to cross. But for most people, the cheapest way to get drugs when they're addicted is to slide into heroin. Yeah. Once you're trying to just take yourself take yourself out of withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got pretty bad. I mean, put myself into a lot of debt spending money on, on pills. And most of my day at the end there kind of became sourcing pills and just counting pills and how many pills do you have to get through the day and where are you going to get your next, you know, refill from? Um, 
it just got to a point where I, I hated what life was becoming. It was impossible to enjoy anything anymore, right? Yeah. So why, why, how, how did you stop yourself from just buying heroin? Because that would be a lot easier to source and cheaper to buy. It's a different kind of person that you got to source for heroin. You can, yeah. you can, you, you know, you can find your local soccer mom who had a car accident and she's got a pills that she's never used before and st- or her dad who had cancer doesn't want to take their Percocets or something like that mm-hmm. and they got a whole stack of pills that they keep getting refills and they start selling them on the side there's tons of people that will sell pills okay it's- I knew a guy who was trying we would buy weed off this dude and um, the guy called him and asked him if we could get some brown but he meant hash and the dealer was like brown really Turns out brown means heroin. Yeah, I think I knew that. I think I knew but, that. Yeah. <laughs> he, through the conversation, they realized they were talking about two different drugs. And uh, but was what was interesting is that the dealer could have found heroin for him. So it's not be you know it's not that hard to get. It is around. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He was like, really, you? He's like, wait a second, what are we talking about here? (laughs) But, Buttons, you just always said that was a line you weren't willing to cross. Yeah, I wasn't going to stick needles in my arm. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. That's next level. Yeah. But then, you know, like, how, uh, how, like, did you ever run out of pills, want more, and end up in a crazy withdrawal scenario? I know you put yourself in withdrawal by trying to quit. Sure. But there were times where the gap between getting uh, pills was so large that you were in withdrawal and really jonesing. Yes. And in that moment, you were like, Jesus, if I just gave myself a little shot of heroin, it would, like, take me out of this pain, and then I could have more time to buy pills. No, I would, would, you know, take T3s. I I would just pump anything into my body. To like numb the pain, but I would never, never thought to to get heroin. It was never something I wanted to do. I would smoke weed. I would I would do anything to just subside the withdrawal effects yeah, until I, I could say, get. I knew a guy who smoked heroin. Yeah, that's yeah. he smoked, and bad. I think that might be the first step. Instead of injecting it, maybe you're like, well, maybe I'll smoke it. I don't know, man. Uh, I want to say good for you, Bundus, but I, you can't really say that in that it, scenario. It's, you know, it's, not, like, yeah, it's all like, bad. It's all bad. It's all variations of bad. Um, we were talking with someone via text on our show uh, who agreed to come on for the podcast and mm. talk about how they uh, went from you know just trying cocaine at a party to ending up like in a deep dive. And uh, he's with us now. So, Franco, can you tell us a little bit of, like, how you ended up in the situation that you found yourself in? Um, Yeah, I kind of just started, like, I did it first time when I was 20. I'm 22 now. And uh, it was with some buddies and stuff, and I did it on a weekend, and then I just couldn't stop, I guess, like... So who? So, but, someone brings it to a get together, and they're like, "Hey, I got some coke. You want to try?" And you're yeah, like, "Yeah." And like, okay. I've been around it before, and I was like, "Oh no, no." And then I don't know. Just that night, I was just decided to say fuck it, and then just snowballed really. And uh, were you like um, addicted to anything else before, or like did no, you? No, I wasn't. Like I drank and stuff, but it was never like alcoholically or anything like that. Okay, yeah. so how many, just uh, just a group of guys in a room or are you guys out partying? Uh, like we were just like at an apartment we were going to go out later and stuff like that. So somebody just laid out some lines and kind of showed you the ropes and somebody obviously had done it before if they brought it there. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. and then you do you do like your first hit and like my, my fear is that I would be like, yeah! <laughs> it's the best! That's like, that's like exactly... 
how it felt. Like it, I, I say it sometimes. It's like the first time I did it, it was like I found what I was like what I'd always been looking for in life. And what do you mean by that? Like you, you, the feeling you had in your body? Yeah, just just the feeling. Like it just, I just loved what it did to me. And then from that point on, like I did it on a couple more weekends, and then it just turned into daily use. And when you say you love what it did to you, were you a quiet person before and it made you more of an extrovert or? Not necessarily. I just, I, it's hard to describe. It was just, I loved it. Like it just. Just made you feel powerful. and Yeah, it made me feel powerful, like a little more talkative. Like I feel like, like I was a man, like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. A, little, a little sweatier at times. I don't know. I've seen people who are on coke. It doesn't look pretty when you're not on coke. But yeah. so, so you do it with your friends. Then you do it a, cu- a couple other times, and then you start getting that itch for that feeling. And you don't care that you're alone. Now you just want to get some. And do you tell your friends, "Hey, can you get me some more?" Or do you have to find your other supply so they don't know about it? Well, I qu- I quickly found some other friends that did it, and then I did it with them. And then I had my own dealers, and I just into that network of dealers and I could always get it. Can, now, you, can, can you talk about the first time you did it alone? Uh, the first time I did it alone, I think I was just in my basement just by myself playing guitar and I was just like, you know, it would be good right now if I was high. And I went and got some and then I stayed up. I worked at six in the morning. I stayed up that whole night doing it, went to work, had to get more at work. And then... Yeah, and that was my life for about two years. Two years, and so from when you did it that first time alone, how long does it take before you do it every day alone? Uh, it was, it was for me at least. It was maybe a month. Okay, a month of dabbling alone, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're yeah. every day. Yeah. How and- hard was it to get through work, or did doing more cocaine like just make it easy? Yeah, well, I'd be tired in the morning, and then I'd pick up on my lunch break, and then they'd be off to the races again. And then, like, I'm a welder, so it wasn't too bad, but, I mean, it was still dangerous. Yeah. And at what point are you saying to yourself, man, I, this is just like they portrayed in the movies. I'm that guy now who couldn't, like, put it down after picking it up. Well, I knew I was addicted, like, Maybe a couple months in, but things never got bad enough. Like, my life still wasn't unmanageable. Mm-hmm. But, like, in my mind, like, oh, I'm going to work every day. I was still on time. Like, you don't have kids. I, you're not married. Yeah, I no, mean, you're like, 20. I still, had a girl, I still had a girlfriend. Like, things, things never got bad enough. Did you hide it from her? Yes, I did. Okay. Did she ever know that you did it at all? Uh, not in, for, like, the first, like, eight months. Then she, I told her, and... You told her you were doing it occasionally, or you told her you were doing no, it every day? I told day? her it was like every day. Oh, man. Wow. But she loved that conversation. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough one. Were but... you like, oh, I want you to try it. We should go down <laughs> no, this no, no, tri- no, no, no. road together. I think a lot of us have bought um, like weed illegally and just that, that feeling of like sketchiness. Was it a million times worse when you're buying cocaine? Like, Is that like a sketchy transaction, or was it, is it super relaxed? It, it it wasn't too bad, like, like I, it could be during the day, meet somewhere, not too bad. But like, if it's like three in the morning, going to a shady part of town, then it's really bad. Yeah, and you'd find yourself in that situation. Yeah, yeah, a couple times. Okay, so what's your daily like consumption like, and how much money are you spending when you're full on every day? Full on every day, uh, 
anywhere from when it got really bad, when I hit my bottom, I was doing three grams a day, and that was around $300 a day. Jeez. Wow. And uh, can you even make that much money to pay for that habit as a welder? No, no, I you cannot, and I ended up stealing a lot of money from my parents. Oh, uh, no. So that's, yeah. yeah. Man, that is so textbook. Like, your story is everything that keeps me away from trying it. Because there are people who've done cocaine, say, 10 times in their life. And they're like, oh, I've done it a few times. It was yeah. fun in the moment. They never picked it up again. But then there's people like you. And I think I would yeah. be a person like you where I'd just be like, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I don't do it. I don't suggest. Yeah, yeah. No, so I won't. I how, won't. How did, you, how did your parents find out? They were like, where's this money? And they suspected you? Well, actually, where I work, it's family business, and uh, my father, the first time, found me sleeping in the bathroom, mm. and then, so that was, and I broke down and told, he knew something was wrong for a couple of months, but like, yeah. I just wasn't myself, and then he drove me to rehab. Yeah, and it, I, how, how long had this been then? It, over a year? Yeah, that was a year at that point. Wow. And you go to rehab, and it's one of those things where you, is it a day thing or a daily uh, it program? Was a, it was a, yeah, it was an inpatient 28-day program. Oh, inpatient. Okay, so yeah. the real deal. Yeah, the real deal. And that was the first time, and I kind of went just to get people off my back, like my dad, my girlfriend, and see if I could, like, stay sober, like, a couple, like, like for a while, get my shit together. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't really do the work that they were telling me to do. Mm-hmm. So I qu- I quickly relapsed when I got out and then. Cause you were doing other... it not for the wrong reasons. You were doing it for other people and not for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so you relapse and then like all of a sudden you're like, what am I doing? Or like, how do you end up clean from relapsing? Uh, so I relapsed and that was about eight months. And sorry, like I said, things never got bad enough before. This time they were getting bad. I mean, I was had no money. Uh, girlfriend broke up. I got fired from my job, and uh, at that like when I hit my bottom, I wanted to take my life, oh and my I God. didn't. And I ended up getting checking myself into the mental hospital, and then I was at an addiction program at the hospital, and then I went to treatment from there again, and that's kind of where it all began. And then today. Yep. I'm around eight months. I think it'll be nine months in May. Wow. That's Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you so much. And so, it, is it a struggle still to like stay away from it? No, it's not. No. So how is that? It, how is it that it's not a struggle? Like, how did you end that chapter? So like abruptly? Um, so going to rehab, it was a, it was a 12 step rehab where they suggest uh, like 12 step programs and doing the steps. And that's what I've, did and what I'm continuing to do. Yeah. So if you were around it, like if it was at a party, would you have to leave? Uh, just, I'd say yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm okay being around other people drinking and stuff and partying, but like if I could see it, I just wouldn't want to be in that situation any, anyways. Cause if it was around people that I'm with, maybe those aren't the right people I'm supposed to be hanging around with. And what about that friend that brought it out the first time? Is he like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, Franco. Yeah, but it's it's not his fault. It's Yeah, nobody's bringing it out in order right, to like, exactly. get you sucked it was, in. It was, right. it, was, it was my decision to do it and it just turned out that I was addicted to it and yeah. I'm an addict. So. so do you stay away from alcohol and everything then now? Uh, yes, I do. Because wow. that'd be a trigger? Uh, yeah, it, well, people suggest any mind-altering substances, and when I relapsed, I started drinking again first, 
Okay. And then within having my first drink, within 10 minutes, I was on my phone trying to get yeah. coke again. So. Once, you have, once you have a drink, like you start, everything goes yeah, out the exactly. window, yeah. But it's interesting because Bundes, who has struggled with addiction um, to opioids, you know, you can turn drinking on and off. Like, you don't seem to be sucked in, or it's not. doesn't seem to be a trigger for you. Drinking is not the same. Like, with cocaine, drinking goes hand in hand. You can do them together, no problem. Opioids is a different kind of high. And for me, opioids, it was smoking. I would smoke like two, three packs a day. I just would love to get high in my car and drive around all day and smoke cigarettes. Listening to music was my favorite thing to do. And it was so hard for me to stop opioids because it was getting in the car and driving was a big trigger for me. So every time I had to go somewhere, I wanted to get high to drive. Which, I felt like that was smoking, you know, uh, just cigarettes. Yeah. I used to smoke when I drove and also coming out of a movie when you couldn't smoke for two and a half, three hours. <laughs> yeah. That was like one of my favorite times to light a smoke. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still smoke and smoking and driving is my favorite thing. Yeah. Karma yeah. stink. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's yeah. worse, worse things in life. Exactly. Franco, if anyone was listening right now and like was in it deep, what what would you say to them? Um, I just say if you're struggling, reach out, get help. I mean, there's people that have been there in the same situation and know exactly what you're going through, and the help is there for anyone struggling. You just have to reach out and take that first step. And eight months later, how much of what you lost did you get back? Like the job, the girlfriend? Yeah, I, I, got, it, I got it all back. Oh, nice. Except, except the girlfriend we broke up, but that's, that's for the better. Right. Okay. That was meant to yeah. be, yeah. Gotcha. Well, look, man, really appreciate the honesty that, yeah. um, that you know, when you heard us talking about cocaine on our radio show that you were like, you know, okay mm-hmm. to talk about it with us. Yeah, yeah. If you saw a brick of cocaine wash up on a beach <laughs> down in the Caribbean, what would you do? Uh, I don't know. Walk the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let That's... somebody else find it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe call your buddy yeah. from that party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Franco, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you uh, sharing it with us. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Right? Like, that's why I don't want to do cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Because there's people like Franco, and I feel like I'm one of them, where I'll do it, and it'll just be too good to not want to try again and again. You just don't know. You don't know what kind of person you are. Until you do it, and, and then I could you're be screwed. Wrong. Maybe I'd take it and I'd be like, "This is awful. <laughs> I never want to do this again." But I don't want to. I don't want to risk it. <laughs> it's like I would never try heroin unless I was dying, and it was like, you know, because they pump you through full of morphine anyway. Right. And you'll be uh, like, "Give me heroin. Just, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm dying. Just try it. <laughs> I'm just try it now because I'm already gonna die anyway. So what does it matter? But oh, God. not not while I I see a future." Before I'm alive. <laughs> anyway, our thanks to Franco for coming on the podcast. Our thanks uh, to you for listening. And uh, don't forget to listen to our radio show Monday to Friday from 5 a.m. till 10 a.m. on 102.1 The Edge.